Well, good morning. Welcome. JB was uh, looking at my shoes and saying how shiny they are. And he said, were you in the military? I said, no, but my daddy was. So I learned how to shine shoes. Boy, this is a great uh, group today and wonderful uh, number. I'm surprised that you're here because when I put out the email, I said we were going to all have a heart cath today. So I'm, I'm glad that you're here for the heart cath, alright? Who'd like to go first? <laughs> yeah, second, alright. You've already done it. Mark chapter 3 is our text today. Mark chapter 3. This is a busy day. We have journeys beginning going on. And, and I know uh, Richard's substituting somewhere, right? I think he is. And so uh, just uh, a lot of them out today with various jobs, but I'm glad that you're here. I was thinking about how that um, we all have times in our life where we need to make a decision about something. And so we have an interview and we have a conversation with somebody. I'm serving on a search committee to get a director of missions. And uh, that is a long process, but I'm on that committee. We were meeting last week and, and you know our present director of missions is retiring in May. Uh, Bill Diekman done a wonderful job. And so uh, we were meeting there and I said, uh, you know, let's not give a candidate too many questions ahead of time. And they said, why? And I said, because I want to look him eyeball to eyeball and I want to hear his heart. There's something about asking and listening and hearing someone's heart. There's something about someone standing with conviction and speaking from the heart. Now, I, I don't know in the dynamic of preaching all that goes on, but I do know this. When a man speaks from the heart, you know it. It's obvious. Now, what you find in Mark chapter 3 is that there were the religious leaders that were speaking from a heart that did not belong to God. And you know very well in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that to be saved, we have to confess with the mouth and believe where? In the heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. And I've often said... A lot of folks are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. From here to here. They know what's right up here, but they've never made a heart and a life-changing decision. And so, the disagreement that you got going on in Mark chapter 3 is a disagreement 
about the heart. And the Lord is doing a heart inspection. I, uh, I was thinking about how that we get distracted from fundamental issues. I, I was in a, a church one time. We had a guy that was a, a wonderful singer. But he wasn't used to all the newfangled technology. And so we had the Christmas cantata. He was up there in the choir loft. Christmas cantata going on. He was also serving as the narrator during the cantata. And pretty soon this strange sound went off. His cell phone started ringing. And I mean it was, you know, the Tennessee Waltz or something like that on his phone. And he couldn't shut the thing off. It just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. Finally, he did the funniest thing. He took his phone and he threw it. <laughs> and I got so tickled about someone just throwing their phone like that was going to help. It just kept on ringing, you know. But he acted like it wasn't his, you know, just kind of looked around. Isn't it funny how that sometimes a very small thing can get us off track and we can get distracted. Well, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And verses 1 through 12, there's a guy that needs a healing. Now I tell you, in our world today, we've got town halls, we've got times where folks show up to cause trouble on the street. We've got... You know, it always surprises me. Someone wins a World Series and then they try to burn down their town. You know, have you noticed that? They celebrate, they'll set something on fire. But we've got all this stuff going on. And in recent days, all the controversy. And the problem is the problem with the heart. It's an issue of the heart. Now, let me do a little background here, okay? In chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Jesus forgave sin. And then, in verse number 16, He goes and has a meal with sinners. And then, in chapter 2, verse 23... The disciples are walking through a field and they're picking grain on the Sabbath. And so now, the Pharisees are saying, we've got to get this guy. We've got to destroy this one called Jesus. And so, we begin in chapter 3. And let me just go ahead and read verses 1 through 12. We'll read the whole story. Mark 3, beginning in verse 1. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? to save a life or to kill. But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, 
grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples. And a great multitude from Galilee followed, and also from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. A great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. And he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him. For he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. And he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. What a miracle of healing transpires here. But the heart of the story is this deal about what is in a man's heart. In fact, in this text we see that the hearts of different people are exposed. I had a, have a brother-in-law last week, uh, he had a heart cath. And I told uh, my sister, I said, well, it's no big deal. And Cheryl said, what do you mean no big deal? It's my husband. And I said, well, they'll do the heart cath and they'll probably, uh, you know, blow out an artery with uh, angioplast and, or they might put a little stent in there. And I know Richard's looking at me up there. And, and, or they might do something else. And she said, the something else is what I'm worried about. And uh, turned out they, they had to do bypass surgery on my brother-in-law last week. And, and so uh, I was thinking about how that it would be neat if somehow people could come to church and say, okay, hook me up, give me a spiritual heart cath. See what's in my heart. But you know, it doesn't take long to figure out what's in someone's heart. They open their mouth and they reveal their heart. Oh, we don't want that person in our church. They're not, they're not our kind. Yeah, they just revealed their heart, didn't they? Oh, I, I don't want to give money to that mission because they might use it in a wrong way. They just revealed their heart. Oh, I, I don't want to sing that song. That, that's not my kind of song. They just revealed their heart. And so as we look at the text today, we're going to look at three hearts on display. Number one, we find the hard heart of the Pharisees. I want you to look back in verse number 5. Verse 5. Notice in verse 5, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. 
He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. So, we find that, first of all, there was the hardness of the heart of these Pharisees. Now, these guys had a plan. In verse 1 and 2, their plan was to wait in the synagogue and to see what Jesus would do. There was somebody there also waiting on Jesus. This guy has a withered hand. Now that word withered means, means really to be paralyzed. It's interesting, the early church has a legend about this guy. The early church said he was a stone mason. A man that built something with his hands and with rock. How many here have ever been to Israel? Let me see your hand. Been to Israel. Alright, a lot of you. You know, Jesus had an occupation. What was he? Carpenter. But you know what I think about Jesus? I think more than a carpenter, he was a stonemason. Because if you've ever been to Israel, there's not a lot of wood around there. But there are rocks everywhere. That's why they throw them so much. Rocks everywhere. Well, this guy had a withered or paralyzed hand. He was not able to provide for his family. Now, the plan of the Pharisees was simply to watch and see what would happen. They were watching with a critical eye. They were watching with skepticism. They were watching to see if they could find something to throw at Jesus in accusation. Now, the problem in verse number 5 is that the Pharisees had this hardness in their heart. And the word uh, in Vine's word study, the word for hardness means a, a uh, callous over the heart. It's an interesting word. It's a Greek word, uh, porosis. And that word means to cover with a callous. It's been a long time since I had calluses on these hands. But I, I remember as a child, we'd go out and, and uh, we'd play or we'd do stuff and sometimes we would develop calluses on the hand. I, I remember my mama would have me sometimes out in the garden, uh, working in her little garden, and I'd get some calluses on my hands. But you know, before I got the calluses, I got something else. Blisters, that's right. And I remember out there in the garden, my mom would say, you know, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And there was one particular thing I hated to do. Picking okra. Man, that will eat you up. Picking okra. But I remember how that as a child and, and as a teenager, we'd get those calluses and you could take a needle... I don't know why you know children do this. I don't know why I did it. But you could take a needle and just put that needle right through there. Now I know some of you have probably done that, alright? You just take a needle and it just go right, couldn't even feel it. Because of the callus. You know there are people with a heart like that. They can't feel the Spirit of God. They can't feel 
the, the moving of God's Spirit in a worship service. They feel nothing when they read the Word of God. You and I stand and sing victory in Jesus. They feel nothing. You and I are ready to go to glory. But the reason why is because they've got a callous over the heart. Look at the plot here in verse number 6. The plot that we find here is that they wanted to destroy Him. Now I don't care who it is. There have been people down through the centuries trying to destroy this book. They've tried to destroy our faith, but it still lives on, doesn't it? Whether it be an Adolf Hitler, whether it be a Saddam Hussein, whether it be a Bin Laden, they are dead and gone. But our faith lives on. We need today to expose those who have a hard heart. And we need to reject their message. Years ago, I had a friend of mine who told me, they, he said, now Richard, he said, after you're in the ministry 30 or 40 years, he said, one of two things will happen. He said, either you'll get thin-skinned and get a hard heart, or you'll get thick skin and have a tender heart. Folks, I tell you, I, I always want to have thick skin and a tender heart. Because I tell you, you will not survive in a church, working in a church without some thick skin. You've got to have it. Sometimes you just got to let things roll off your back. And, and if you wear your feelings up here, they're always going to get hurt. Now, I, I know this probably is not the thing to say, but time and time again, I just tell folks, J just get over it. You know, J just get over it. And then they get mean, alright? I had a lady call me one time, and um, she was playing a joke on me. She called me and she said, is this Brother Richard? I said, yes ma'am, it is. She said, I just got all kinds of baggage in my life. And I recognized who it was. She said, I just got all kinds of baggage. And I, I just think my life's just falling apart. I, I just don't know what to do. Would you have any counsel for me? I said, ma'am, I sure would. I said, I, you just need to suck it up, get a life, and move on. <laughs> Her name is Melinda Timmerman. That's who called me. She said, you sound like my daddy. You know, we can take the smallest, minute thing in life, and if we're not careful, we can get a hard heart over it. Well, he walked by me and he didn't speak to me. Well, she walked by me and, and she didn't speak. I mean, we can get upset about the smallest little thing. Someone might say something well-meaning and take it the wrong way. i got news for you. As much as I talk during the week, it's a miracle I'm not locked up. <laughs> it's a miracle. 
But you know, a tough heart is what these Pharisees have. We need to avoid these, kind of, these kinds of people. Let me move on, alright? Number two. The second heart we find here is the holy heart of the Lord. The holy heart of the Lord. Now the heart of Jesus stands out in contrast to the heart of the Pharisees. Now look in verse number 3. Look at the command here. He said to the man with the withered hand, the paralyzed hand, get up and come forward. Boy, I can see Jesus doing that. Jesus looks at him and says, get up and come forward. Boy, I tell you, Jesus, I believe, had a commanding voice. This, this guy had to get up from where he was and make a public stand for Christ. A private healing would bring no glory to God. A public testimony does. Now, let me pull over here and hang on to this, alright? Why do we ask someone when they're saved to walk down the aisle of the church? Why do we ask someone to stand in water before a congregation and get baptized? It's because a private decision for Christ is easily made and it's easily broken. But if you stand publicly for Him, that is a demanding, hard decision. And a hard decision is a decision that is easier to keep because you got the support, the encouragement of the congregation. Now look in verse number 4, you find the confrontation here. Verse 4. In verse number 4, it says, And He said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? to save a life or to kill, but they kept silent. There are two simple questions here. Number one, Jesus said, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? Then the second thing was, is it right to save a life or to kill on the Sabbath? Again, we get back to this question about the Sabbath. I... uh, I asked somebody one time, I said, do you think it's right to wash your car on the Sabbath? Or the Lord's Day? He said, uh, well, he said, if nobody saw me, it would be okay. (laughs) You know, again, that, that Romans 14, it talks about You know, let your heart be your guide. I think that's a good rule. But I do think we always need to remember that the Sabbath was never made to be worshipped. We worship God through the vehicle of the Sabbath. But the Sabbath itself is never to be worshipped. Now, verse number 5, I've got down here a word, consternation. You know what the word consternation means? It means they're fed up. We find here in verse number 5 that these, uh, these Pharisees were just kind of fed up with Jesus, but guess what? Jesus was angry at them. Now, this is the only time 
that you find in Scripture where it says, Jesus is angry at something. Now I know there's the time where He throws the money changers out. But this is the only time where you find Jesus saying, I'm angry about this. Now, the word anger there is the word that they would use in Greek for sap. Sap rising up from a tree. Sap going up into the branches, rising up from the root of a tree. I'm not an expert on treeology. In fact, I've got two brown thumbs here. I can kill anything. But I do know this. Sap rises slowly. It took a long time for Jesus to get to this point. Did He have sin in His anger? Absolutely not. He had a righteous, holy anger. There are some things that the people of God ought to be angry about. You know, Paul said we ought to be angry, but sin not. We ought to be angry when we hear people disobey and ridicule the Word of God. We ought to be angry when we hear about about the tremendous rise in abortions in America. We ought to be angry when we hear about schools that will not let children assemble maybe for different religious events. We ought to be angry when we hear about the rampant immorality in our world today. This really was a release of emotion that we find here. A righteous anger. Now, Verse number 5, though, you also see the compassion here. Jesus simply said, stretch out your hand. Now I want to ask you, what work did that guy do? He stretched out his hand. Now we know there was the work that Jesus did in healing him. But this guy simply stretched out his hand. And the holy heart of the Lord had compassion on him. Now, let's move on. All right, third and last. We find the hopeful heart of the needy. And this is verses 10 and 11. Now, think about this with me. You got the hard heart of the Pharisees, the holy heart of Jesus. But you've got a multitude out there with hopeful hearts. Does our world need hope today? Absolutely. Does our world need a sense of righteousness? We do. You know what? What we need more than anything is just some good old, I'd call it horse sense. Common sense. We need a good dose of that, don't we? Well, these folks that are needy had hope in Jesus. Now, look at what they saw in Jesus. Verse number 10. For He had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around Him in order to touch Him. They just wanted to touch Him. Just a touch. You know, I look at the miracles in the Bible. Isn't it amazing how many different ways Jesus healed? Sometimes they would reach out and just touch Him and they were healed. Sometimes Jesus would touch them. Sometimes Jesus made 
a mud pie and put on their, their eyes. Sometimes Jesus would touch their tongue. Do you remember the time? In fact, three different times someone was raised from the dead in the life of the Lord's ministry. Do you remember the three times? One was a little girl. J. Iris' daughter. What did He say to her? He said, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And she got up. Do you remember another time? Lazarus. He went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. D.L. Moody one time said that if he hadn't said Lazarus, every dead person who had died all the way back to Adam would have came back from the grave. <laughs> Can you imagine? Is he not going to do that in the future? He's not going to say Lazarus, come forth. He's going to say, come forth. And every dead person who ever died in Jesus is going to come forth. Who's the third person? No, somebody else. It's the one everybody always forgets. The widow of Nain's son. They're having the funeral procession. They're carrying the, the casket. They're all weeping. I mean, here they are in the funeral procession. And all of a sudden, Jesus does the miracle and the guy sits up in the casket. <laughs> Boy, that livened up a funeral, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that'd shake up any Baptist church, I tell you. Well, verse number 10 though, these were pressing in that they might touch the Lord. Alright, also we find in verse, verse number 8 and verse 11 what they said about Jesus. I, I want you to look at verse 11. Whenever the unclean spirits saw Him, they would fall down before Him and shout, you are the Son of God. Verse number 8 again talks about the people heard what He was doing. Folks, even the demons were shouting, this is the Son of God. Remember the old Gospel hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less but Jesus' Blood and Righteousness. Ah, dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Boy, what a wonderful truth there is in that hymn. I want you to take your Bibles and find the book of Psalms. I want to close with this. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 23. Psalm 139, verse 23. Before I read that, I want you to know that there is a heart inspection for all of us. Today, the Holy Spirit of God can move through this crowd. And maybe He would find some with a hard heart. You've got a callus over your heart because of something in your past. Sometimes, People lose a loved one. Maybe a wife, maybe a husband, maybe a child. And they get a hard heart towards God. Sometimes people lose a job. Go bankrupt. Whatever. You have hardness in your life. 
And then there are those that have just got saved. <laughs> those who have just joined the church. And man, you, you got this holy heart on fire. You got a Jesus kind of heart. But then there are some here today that you've got hope that things are going to get better. Let me tell you, if you made a bad decision and you screwed up your life, i got news for you. You can make another decision. Defeat doesn't need to be final in the life of the child of God. Psalm 139, look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, And see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. I want you to just close your eyes, bow your head with me just for a moment. As we close today, some of you need to let go of something in your past. Something that's made a hardness in your heart. And in your mind and in your, in your heart, in your spirit, you just need to lift that thing up to God and say, God, I'm tired of holding on to this. I'm going to give it up. Some of you need to pray for purity in your heart. You've got a divided heart today. Half of it belongs to Jesus, but half of it's still in the world. And you need to pray a prayer like this today. God, I want Jesus to have all, every room, every compartment of my heart today. And boy, for those who have come today that think you have no hope, you've got hope today in the One who was crucified, the One who is risen, the One who is the Alpha and the Omega, the One who has every single key to happiness for your life. Man, He can give you joy today. He can give you peace today. He can give you grace today. Years ago, a singing group sang these words. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like You. Father, that's our prayer today. Lord, change our hearts. Melt the heart of stone. Father, give us a holy, hopeful heart. In Jesus' name, Amen. Y'all have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.